0: Well, good morning, Journey. How y'all doing? Good you guys doing all right? Man, I'll tell you what, it's crazy the weather we're having in August already. I feel like it's fall. It's It feels like beautiful September weather. Uh, but I want you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 51. Before you do that, I want to remind you there's so many great ways to connect. One of the ways that we've been connecting with people is through our daily prayer at noon. So Craig Jordison did a great job yesterday. and We'll have our staff, and some of our key leaders uh, continuing to lead these. So check in on Facebook Live. It's a great way uh, just to have a little prayer time at work wherever you're at. Tune in. Love to say hi to the faces on there. Uh, Those of you who are uh, streaming online, it's a chance to get to connect with you guys as well online through that. So Also, as you've heard about, we've had our, uh, just man, a tremendous summer of serving. So many wonderful opportunities that uh, you've gotten to see. I want to highlight one of them. I got to be a part of one. I challenged a bunch of our men last week to go and be a part of a place called the Urban Christian Academy. You'll see a few highlights. They're this great ministry that uh, basically started five, six years ago. They offer free Christian school. To those in the urban area, they started with a kindergarten. They're now getting ready to start sixth grade. They've expanded. They bought this abandoned place. It was just a disaster, and they've been needing help. And I said, man, we would love to bring some people in. And so I know we've had a team. We're going to have some more. We got a chance to do some painting. Got a chance to fix some drywall, hang some electrical stuff, uh, hang some uh, different things in the classrooms. It was so wonderful. I don't know about you, but I absolutely love serving side-by-side with people. Helping in the community helping people I said I want to take my son back I hope we can kind of come and kind of shadow and be able to say hey son Here's what you got to be a part of that day um, A couple guys I got to serve with had their sons with him I wanted them to be able to see here's what God is doing Look how you got to be a part of this and then of course there are so many opportunities this week in our grand finale So if you're not aware every day, there's something happening uh, tomorrow we're going to have people uh, serving lunches, packing and serving lunches through Cold Water, a ministry that helps those uh, in low income and need some meals. Also on Tuesday night they're going to do the same thing; they're going to cook a dinner and provide a dinner at some low income apartments in Lee Summit. Operation Breakthrough uh, on Monday uh, they're going to be working in their food pantry and delivering some food through this great Operation Breakthrough ministry. And then, of course, harvesters many of you are familiar with harvesters, provides food all over the city to people. <clears throat> we'll have folks sorting and organizing food on Thursday there. And then one, that man sounds really like an, an amazing ministry called Mother's Refuge. It's a shelter for teenage pregnant young ladies. They're going to be cleaning and organizing and working with them next Saturday. So some great opportunities, even for those of you who are watching out of town. There are some out-of-town opportunities. If you want to be involved in that, you can just text, as you can see, 474747, just text that journey serve. You can do that as well for a chance to sign up and become a part of all the great things that are happening through our church. I'm really proud of our people. Um, man, it's been, it's been good as a, a member of the staff to say I'm thankful So for the, the hearts of our people. You know, the movie theaters have been closed for about six months. And that, that, that's, been, that's been tough, which means, you know, other than maybe a, a new release by maybe Netflix or Amazon, there's been very little in the way of, you know, decent movies that have come out. Um, you know, there's, there's not been a, a huge plot with famous actors. I know there was some coming like Top Gun and some others that got put on hold. But as far as the, you know, just something that rivets you to, to the edge of your seat where you just love the movie... There's not really been any great blockbusters that have been come out because everything shut down. Yesterday we were driving through a parking lot and I was like, man, there's AMC. It's just been a ghost town for so long. It's been dry unless you've been tuning in with us through our summer in the Psalms and you have been hearing all these amazing stories through the Psalms. Like just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Mike talked about how David, when he found himself in the area of the Philistines, Literally, just had to act like a total madman, drooling all over his beard and like, this guy's a nut job. What's going on? Like, get him out of here. But there are so many great, amazing stories that we have been looking at, and today is no exception. Today would probably be the Oscar winner. Today would be a heartbreaking blockbuster, and it's Psalm 51. And the true life connecting story behind it from 2 Samuel chapter 11, I'll tell you this it's juicier and more blockbusterish than anything you would see. In this, just in the, the real life story of King David that we find in 2 Samuel 11, it's got drama, it's got action, it's got suspense, it's got sex, it's got violence, and it's got restoration. It is literally a heart breaking blockbuster you know sometimes people will say you know i i try to read the bible but i don't know i just i can't i can't get into it and then it's they'll hear something like this and they'll go that's in the bible i'm like yeah you would be amazed at what's in the bible it is a a book of true life unbelievable stories and it doesn't hold anything back sometimes you're like wow those are that happened to this leader yeah that that's it's an authentic book So, if you're not familiar with the story as we lay out Psalm 51, get ready, because it really is a blockbuster. I wish I could pass out popcorn. So, the ushers haven't really passing buckets. Maybe we'll have them passing popcorn down the aisles. I don't think that would go right now, but I've got a couple goals for you today. Two goals, to illustrate the truth of repentance, forgiveness, and restoration through the life of David. Super important. And then secondly, I want to get specific to activate men to set an example of truly following Jesus. Now, trust me, there's a message for everyone today. But as a man who does a lot of men's ministry, I really want to challenge men today uh, to set an example of truly following Jesus. Now, can we pray? We always want to begin our messages with an opportunity to pray, to ask God to speak to our hearts. And I really want to pray as we take that deep breath and we just say, I'm yours, Lord. Can we just, as we pray in this moment, would you just ask God that the only voice you would hear would be his? Whatever he has for you, the only voice you would hear would be his. Can we pray? Father, as we open up your word here in a moment and read from Psalm 51, I pray that you would speak to my heart, that the only voice that I would hear would be yours. For what message you would have for me, speak to me. And then I pray you'd give me wisdom and courage to take my next steps of growth. Speak to my heart, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 51 is known as a penitential psalm. Pastor Christian laid out part one last week. And and really, if you remember, he talked about the psalms, the penitential psalms taught the people of Israel how to express sorrow, how to express regret for their sin. And then they, they were broken down into um, categories, the Psalms are, and those that fall under penitential Psalms we see are Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, Psalm 102, Psalm 130, and then Psalm 143. Now as we lay out Psalm 51, this real blockbuster, it, it's a movie, if we, if, we, if we can use that terminology, it's a movie today that's going to start at the end, okay, and then we're going to have a flashback. How many of you watch those movies like, okay, what just happened? Oh, he's, he's a kid now. Okay, now I get it. That's him. We're going to have a flashback so you understand the backstory. You understand the backstory of what has occurred because King David, right before he wrote Psalm 51, had just made the biggest mistake of his life before he writes Psalm 51. And so follow with me if you have your Bible. If you have the JCI uh, app, you can follow along with me. Here we are in Psalm 51. It says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God my Savior and my tongue will sing of your righteousness Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. Do not delight in sacrifice, uh, sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, you will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, and burn offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. You know, I saw two quick lessons that I want to share with you after I read and I just kind of said, "God, what are you speaking to my heart about?" And I think Psalm 51 does this. Really powerful. It shows us the heart-breaking pain of sin and what God hopes to accomplish in a person's life: repentance, forgiveness, and restoration. Psalm 51 happens to be one of my wife and I's favorite psalms. It has brought us a lot of comfort in life. And I I actually talk more about this with Pastor Mike in the Activate podcast. So I, I unpack this a little bit more about what God has done in our life. And so if you want to hear about that, you can check out the Activate podcast. But the second quick lesson I wanted to share with you, and this one, man, this may be one of the most powerful parts of the whole message. Psalm 51 is one of a few chapters and the whole Bible that most clearly illustrates the condition of the heart that God desires from each one of us. I really believe that, that this psalm lays out the condition of the heart that God desires from each one of us. So a question for you is this, does your heart look like this today? And it's the question I want you to ask yourself today as we lay out this psalm, does your heart look like this today? Now, let's flash back. Let, let's take a look now at the backstory of Psalm 51, um, to the scene of the crime, so to speak, the scene of where this sin occurred. I want to give you a little Bible study tip. I know that when I first became a Christian, I didn't quite understand how to study the Bible, and I, I know we've got all types who are watching and listening and who are here today, and I, I love that you're here to learn. As you look at the front of Psalm 51, as you look at the top, you'll actually see it says this, for the director of music... A psalm of David when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So it kind of helped you to understand this backstory. Now and then you would go find 2 Samuel chapter 11 and you would read it. But let me lay out to you what occurred in 2 Samuel chapter 11, this backstory. See, David wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be, as the king of Israel, he was supposed to be, his men were out fighting. He was supposed to be with them, leading, encouraging them, sustaining them, helping them. But he wasn't. He was up on the roof. He was walking the ledge. I wish I could have recreated Jerusalem for you to see. I think we think of kingdoms as, you know, the nearest person must have been a mile away because there was so, no, they would have been stacked pretty closely. And as he was walking his roof, he could have seen into other households. And he's kind of scrolling his phone, so to speak, walking the ledge. Checking things out. That's so, that, that looks okay. Ooh, I'm, there's some temptation. Oh, that looks okay. There's some temptation. And so he's walking the ledge and there's temptation. And then he sees her. He sees her bathing. And instead of realizing, no, I need to go this way, he thought, maybe I'll just gander for a moment. And then he decided, you can imagine in his mind, he's thinking, man, who should I call? Surely I should call someone. Like I, I need to call someone to help me make the right choice here. But he doesn't. And he continues to fester on it. And he decides to sin for her and he sleeps with her. And she becomes pregnant. She soon after says, I'm pregnant. And then he devises this scheme. He devises this scheme to try to do away with the problem. Her husband is Uriah. He happens to actually be a very faithful man to David. He's actually out fighting for his country. And he's out there, and so he calls him back in, and thinks, "Hey, I'm going to call him home." And you know, army guys when they come home, the soldiers when they come home, they're going to surely he's going to go home to his wife. I'm home, honey. I'm home, and uh, this is going to be covered. He'll sleep with his wife, and no one will know that I did this. Well, Uriah is more honorable than him. Uriah says, "I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to leave my. Uh, I'm not going to leave my men and come home and have these these luxuries of home while my men are on the battlefield." So he doesn't do it. So David thinks he doubles down. He's like, "I know. I'll get him drunk." I'll get him drunk, and surely he'll be like, hey, baby, I'm home. (laughs) But again, Uriah is more honorable than David, and he doesn't do it. So David hatches a plan to have him killed. And so David, from walking the ledge to succumbing, goes on and on in his sin. And he lies, he deceives, and he sins. And ultimately, at the end of 2 Samuel chapter 11, here's what it says says, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord, to say the least. And I think David thought he'd gotten away with it because some, some time goes by between 2 Samuel chapter 11 and the next chapter, chapter 12. It appears that there was a little bit of time. Um, and I think we live in a world today where it's really difficult to get away with things. I don't know if you noticed, but now when when people do something, they're like, okay, we have 17 camera angles here. Which one do we want to use to uh, catch this perpetrator? Right they're, they're, It is really difficult to get away with something these days because there are so much technology that can trap people into uh, getting caught for what they've done. And in David's day, there was no TMZ. There were no cameras. And David obviously thought he'd gotten away with it, but God doesn't need that. God didn't need that to know what had been done. He saw what David had done, and he brought a hero into our story. He brought the prophet Nathan. You see, Nathan was a prophet, and he was a trusted advisor of David. In fact, you go back a couple of chapters, and David had already sought Nathan's help to talk about the temple, about making plans. Should I do it? What's going on? So he obviously already had a trusted relationship with Nathan, and we see the role that Nathan played in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 1. It basically just said, the Lord sent Nathan to David. He knew what had happened. He's like, excuse me, I've got to send, I've got to send Nathan to David. And Nathan tells this fictional story. Nathan comes up with this story to try to just to kind of get uh, David to see if he'll understand his wrong. And he tells this story, and as he's telling it, man, David is getting fired up. David is mad. In fact, he gets so mad that he basically says this. He says, I want justice. This man will pay. And Nathan's like, I've got him right where I want him. And listen to what David, or Samuel, excuse me, Samuel. I'm going to throw out all the prophets here today. Here's what, here's what Nathan says. Nathan says to David, you're the man. You're all fired up. You're so mad. You're the man I'm talking about. You're the one who, do, who had done this. And this confrontation this confrontation with Nathan was really humbling, as you can imagine. You're just called on the carpet. You've been hiding this. You think you've gotten away with it. It was really humbling for David, but it brought about the beginning of his restoration. It brought about the beginning of his restoration. And Nathan, no doubt, obviously had a little bit of a risk. He had a risk here. You, you go to the king, and you accuse him, and you, you kind of pull this trick to trap him. He risked possibly losing his head. But he obviously cared enough about David to take the risk. He cared enough about David to take the risk to say, hey, what you're doing, this, this can't go on. And that leads me to what I'll call kind of the activate portion of our message, where I believe God wants to do something in your life, and I believe he wants to do something in my life. And we see some restoration steps that are recorded in Psalm 51. Now, these were from David, and they were for David, but they could be for They could be for anyone here today. Like they could be for anyone here today. Because every one of us at some time in our life has been in need of restoration. Or perhaps maybe even right now. We're walking the roof. We're walking the ledge. You know what I mean. In your own life. You know what I mean. I don't know what it is for you, but the Lord does. And the Lord wants to give you today some tools for restoration. Some tools to maybe not make that decision of you walking the roof today. So I want to give you three steps to restoration. Three steps to restoration. The first one is to confess and accept responsibility. You know, if your heart response is always like, hey, it it was his fault. Hey, that wasn't me. You, you know, it, I've got an excuse for that. Let, let me think of it real quick. That's not the condition of the heart that God's looking for. He's not looking, it's not going to bring restoration with him if you've always got an excuse or you're deflecting the blame. And it, it's not going to help with anybody else, right? You, no, none of us want to be in a relationship where every time there's conflict, the person's always deflecting it either back to you or to somebody else. There's a, there's a classic movie by the name of Tommy Boy. And uh, in Tommy Boy, there's this scene where Tommy Boy's, you know, the goofy Chris Farley guy who's, you know, basically had 19 years of college and Richard laughs and says, those people are called doctors. Um, But there's a scene in it where he asks, uh, Richard asks him, hey, I'm going to go in and get directions. Will you pump some gas? And Tommy Boy's like, yeah, no problem, I got it. So he goes to try to pump the gas. He's too far away from the deal, so he thinks, you know, the door's open. I'll just real quick, I'll just look, and I'll real quick back up. Well, he backs up, and if you've seen the movie, it just rips the door the wrong way, and every one of us is going, oh, no, because this is Richard's baby. Because Richard's kind of awkward, and this is Richard's, this is his, like, maybe his girlfriend. I mean, this is his car. He thinks of this thing more than his life itself. Well, obviously, Tommy Boy messes it up, and you can kind of see this scene. While, Tom, while Richard's inside getting directions, you can see in the background where Tommy Boy's trying to do everything he can to fix the door. Slamming into it. He can't get it to close. He finally gets it to close, and he's sitting there like, wouldn't me? I didn't do anything. Richard comes back. You can see him through the window, and he, he kind of stops, and you think, oh, the, you know, the gig is up. He's, he's busted. And he's, he, he like buffs out a little scratch, and then he, he opens the door, and it falls off. And Tommy Boy gives this quick little response, what'd you do? (laughs) That is not the kind of heart mentality that God wants for restoration. Listen to David's heart. Here it is again in Psalm 51. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned. Have I sinned uh, done, and done what is evil in your sight? So you are right in your verdict, justified when you judge. And then here, here's David's heart when he is confronted by Samuel. Quickly, he says, then David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. And the, the thought that just keeps on coming into my mind, as I just was thinking through, the thought that keeps coming to my mind is, own it. Like God wants you to own it. Whatever it is that you've been dealing with, that you have decided to deflect, that you you won't quite take responsibility, God's saying, own it. If you were like me and you'd get into trouble as a kid and your parents would come and ask you something, you had all these excuses, right? You'd be like, oh, this happened, or, you know, hey, it was my brother's fault. I could always blame it on my, my younger brothers. Um, I, I'd always have an excuse, and I don't know if your parents said the same thing that mine did, but they'd say, like, they'd say, do you think we were born yesterday? I, I see some nods that, yeah, do you think I was born yesterday? Or, or how about another one? Um, do you think I fell off the turnip truck yesterday? Right, like we could go on. There are all these little one-liners where your parents are saying, that I ain't buying it, own it. I'm not buying what you're selling, own it. And see, he owned it. He took ex- responsibility for what he'd done. I know I've done wrong it's on me you know we're, we're a church that believes discipleship is really important like we do we believe it's really important for each of us to be growing in our faith to be connected to a group to have accountability to, to you know and I don't mean people who are mean to you people who are like hey you didn't read your Bible you jerk you're out of here I mean people who just they care about you and, and, and with, with a group of guys you're like hey how, how's Bible reading going? Let's stay in the word. Let's encourage each other. And we'd like people to be on a Bible reading plan if they, if they can. And so we, we want people to develop a quiet time to where they connect not only in God's word, but they connect through um, just a sense of, hey, Lord, speak to my heart. I've read the scripture today. What do you have for me? Uh, our followers made, leaders made groups. They do this. We put people on Bible reading plans and teach them to journal. Like it, this, is, this is great discipleship. And I really believe this. And and by the way, if you don't have one, we have Bible reading plans. On your JCI app, you can take a picture of the screen. You can find one right here where you can just develop a 10 to 15 minute quiet time. But I believe this. I believe as David was writing Psalm 51 in his personal quiet time, like I don't know if it happened 10 minutes later and he wrote this, and just poured out his heart or whether this was months later and in his quiet time, he just did. But, but in his quiet time with God, it was a moment of humbly confessing and accepting responsibility. So for you today, do you have an area today? As you sit there, you know you have a need. You need to get into a quiet time of connection with God and confess and take responsibility for something. Is there something this week you just need to get alone with God? Maybe with your journal? Maybe out in nature, it's beautiful, and just say, God, I'm owning this. This is wrong, or I've done this, and I need your help. You need to own it. See, the first step of restoration is to confess and accept responsibility. And the second one, the second step of restoration, the second step of restoration is ask to be renewed. Ask to be renewed. And what what are following? What's following in these verses here? are some of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. Here it is again, Psalm 51. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. You know, my my son loves um, to keep his shoes pristine. He doesn't get many because the ones he tends to like are a little more expensive. So the ones that he gets, he takes care of. We got him a pair six months ago. I think he's worn three times. He's like, these are just like for the perfect, you know, I'm only going to wear these when I absolutely want to just look amazing. I'm like, okay, whatever, man. Um, but he keeps, he takes such good care of them and it's become known that he takes such good care of them that he's actually had some friends. He has this ability that if they get dirty, he can get them super, super clean. And he's literally had some friends like, Say, hey, take these home, and he'll bring them back, and they are beautiful. Like, here's a pair. I mean, he keeps his shoes just, these are spotless, and these are like six, seven-month-old shoes. He makes them that they literally look whiter than snow. And that's exactly what God wants to do with our heart. If, If our heart is literally clean and pure and truly repentant and remorseful, God wants to make us from the inside out look whiter than snow. Literally just a pure heart. I believe that's exactly what God wants from us. You know, there's a, there's a verse in this set that I just read to you that I really believe God, especially in this season, is speaking into the hearts of people. And it's this one. It's Psalm 5110. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Because I think, especially now, that God is looking. He's looking for people. Oh, there's a word that I wanted to share with you first, steadfast. This is the one that stood out to me. The word steadfast means firmly fixed. It's immovable. You have a determination. You have a loyalty, which takes me to the fact this is the kind of person I believe God is looking for right now. God's looking for a people whose hearts are pure, They've been restored. They're seeking him. They're daily saying, Lord, help me to be who you want me to be and who have a renewed loyalty and determination for him. Like that's the kind of people God is looking for right now. So my question for you again is this, is this, does that describe your heart of commitment? Like, is your heart pure and are you truly steadfastly, loyally living for him? If you're watching online, does this describe your heart right now? steadfast immovable if it doesn't what needs to change what needs to change in your heart so that you have a steadfast determined heart for Jesus that's what he wants for us well if you haven't ask God to renew your heart ask God to renew your heart the third step for restoration is to recommit to a life of wisdom and service I believe Christianity is a is a, a faith of second chances. I really do. I believe it's a faith of second chances, and what we're going to read the verses I think are testimony of that, and I've seen it in my own life. Uh, I don't know if you, some of you do. You've been here a while, but some of you may not know my story. But the thirty second version is is I I didn't grow up in church, and I made all kinds of mistakes. I made all kinds of sinful decisions in my life that I, I reaped some negative consequences from being in handcuffs to, to just being scorned to having just, what are you doing? Like, and I remember when I came to Christ, the theme that kept going through my mind is God was like, Ryan, you're throwing your life away. This isn't the life that I have for you. I have this new life for you. I have a life of second chances for you, a life of restored and renewed. And so I love the fact that, that God has this type of life for all of us. And here are the words of a repentant adulterer and murderer. Here they are again, Psalm 51. Listen to his heart. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. So that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. I mean, that is what was on David's heart. After David's heart was renewed, do you see what it was? He had a passion that came out of his restoration, his renewal, and then he wanted to help others. Like God had done such an amazing work for him. He now wanted to proclaim God's goodness. He wanted to tell others of how God can transform you, God can move you. And I don't know if you've seen that in people. Some people you've seen this total restoration of their life. And now, man, they, they want to tell everybody about what God has done in their heart. You see, I believe life experiences give us wisdom if we'll learn from them. Let that sink in a moment. Life experiences good, bad, failures, you can learn from them. You can. And you can gain wisdom from them. And I really believe this. We have a wonderful team at our church who make up our care ministry, our care groups that meet on Monday nights starting in September 14th. And we have this wonderful group of people and they care in so many amazing ways. We've got Celebrate Recovery, who basically helps people who with hurts, Habits and hang-ups, which pretty much includes all of you and me, so I'll see you there. Right? Every one of us hurts, hang-ups, and habits. And every one of us has problems that we need help with and encouragement. And those who were there, many of them, that's what's happened in their life. They've had transformation, and now they're helping others. We've got a wonderful divorce care group. Financial Peace University. Grief share, all of these were people who've had their lives transformed and restored are now helping and serving others. And we've all, we all have areas that need restoration in our life. Maybe, you're not a, maybe you don't have a killer in the room. Maybe there's no adulterers in the room. But all of us have had a need for restoration in our life. You need these care groups. I need these care groups. If I was honest with myself, I'd probably benefit from Celebrate Recovery. We all need these. And I've heard it said this. You can learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from somebody else's. Which one sounds less painful? You can learn from your own mistakes or you can learn from somebody else's. And I believe when you use wisdom, you're learning from somebody else's mistakes. If we were to flash the movie of your life on the screen right now, think with me for a moment. If we were to flash the... Scene of your life right now, where you're at at this moment, what scene are you in? Are you roaming the roof? Nearing the ledge? Nearing trouble? Nearing temptation? Is that where you're at right now? You know it. Maybe nobody else does. Maybe everybody else thinks everything's great with you. But are you nearing the ledge, roaming the roof? If so, I want to share a, a great verse that's really helped me over the years, and I hope it helps you as well. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Are you nearing the edge? Is that where you're at right now? Nearing sin, nearing temptation, nearing trouble? Maybe right now, where you're at, the scene of your life, is you're in the midst of trouble. You're in it. Sin is in your house. You took the bait. You ate the carrot. You went for what you shouldn't have. I want to let you know today there's hope, and I want to give Prayer in a moment for you that maybe you need to begin these steps of restoration. Man, God's good. God's good. If sin's in your house, He can restore you. Maybe you're here, you've repented, you're being restored. You went through that painful day at your home, a day you never want to go through again. You've been through it, and you're in the midst of it. You've repented. You're being restored. You've got a plan. You've got accountability. You've got Christ-centered purpose now. You're in the midst of becoming all that God wants you to be. Maybe you're here. Maybe you're utilizing your past trouble to help others. That was 10 years ago and you were restored and you are now being used by God you saw these ladies with rended heart man I'm about lost it in the front row the first time I saw that and I thought Lord only knows what that girl went through and she's being used by God now because of her restoration nothing of her fault someone else did that to her but she was restored and God's using her in an amazing way are you use, utilizing your past to help others? You know, earlier in this message, I, I talked about having a Nathan in David's life brought about his restoration. And I want to give you a fact this morning. There's, a, there's an accountability fact. We all need a Nathan in our lives. Like if you're sitting there and you're like, I don't have one. I don't even know who I'd call. I don't know who I could even, I don't even know who would even think to come visit with me if I hadn't, seen, if I hadn't been in church in three months. I don't even know who would come by. You need one. Pastor John Gray, I heard a message of his recently. He spoke at one of the men's conferences we were at, and he just blew the roof off the place. And he said this, Find people in your life you cannot lie to even if you tried. Some of us have people we can just straight face. Nope. You can lie to them straight. And they're like, okay. You need people in your life they are like, I ain't buying it. That ain't right. I love you enough, like, Nathan, I, I love you enough to risk that you might be a little upset at me, but I love you enough to encourage you. I love you enough to just say, hey, have you been in the Word lately? Hey, hey, how are you doing? Where would David have been if it wasn't for Nathan? What would have happened in his life? What would we have missed in the beauty of so many of the Psalms where he poured out his heart of repentance? Well, I want to help. We want to help. As a church, we want to provide As a man who's been forgiven of so much, I want to help men. I I get a joy of of helping the men of our church. And ladies, don't check out here because there are great opportunities. I'm just not highlighting them today. There are great opportunities for you as a woman to be involved in study here. But there are some great ways for you to find accountability. So every man, please focus in. If you're watching online, don't check out. Tune in. There's some things coming that I want you to be a part of that I know, if you will allow them, will transform your life. We've got a new men's event coming up, and these, so what I would call kind of an onboarding opportunity, if you're a guy that says, I don't know many people, I just want to make some friends, come to our men's event on September 26th. I know it's a crazy world, and scheduling things right now is like tough, but we're praying it's going to happen. We're going to have an awesome time here. We'll have a, uh, something to eat. We'll have a, a short uh, message, and then and we're going to have some fun. We're going to set up some pickleball, some Frisbee golf. If we're able to still fish, I'd like to do a fishing tournament. So we're going to have some fun activities for men as an onboard into, if you'd like, there's a weekly Bible study that will start right after that. Dr. Tony Evans, we're going to watch an awesome and do some Bible study on 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and have some small groups all over this room on Tuesday nights starting in October and November. If you want to be a part of that, this is how you get involved in that, Journey Men. If you're saying I need a little bit more, I am I'm, I'm, I'm want to go a little bit deeper. Huh? I want to get into a discipleship group. We have what I mentioned earlier, followers made and leaders made. We have an informational meeting September 8th, September 8th, right here at seven o'clock. Men, if you want to be involved in a, a discipleship group, we're going to be starting some followers made groups. These have been unbelievable in my life and the life of the men of our church. So two great opportunities, kind of an onboard, slower ramp, or I want to get into a little more discipleship text men journeymen 47 47 47 You got to have a nathan in your life Or even more some of us There you might have five to ten people who care about you because of the great group you've established over six months and leaders made ten months talk about getting close to some men who love you who would go for a burning building for you I really believe that Your life has great potential to be a huge blockbuster It really does. And you might think, I made a mistake, I, I can't be used. Yes, you can. God can restore you and God wants to use you in an amazing way. He's not done with you. And so can we just bow our heads in a moment of prayer, wherever you're at, whatever movie scene is playing right now in your life, can we just pray and connect with Jesus that the only voice you would hear right now is the voice of our Savior speaking to your heart. If you're here today and you're walking the ledge, that was you and maybe you're, you're a little uncomfortable because you think, I know something. I don't. But God does. If you're nearing trouble and temptation, can I, can I pray for you today? And I want to lead you through this 1 Corinthians 10, just, just a prayer that sounds something like this. God, no temptation has overtaken me except what is common to man. And God is faithful to me. He will not let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. But when I'm tempted, God, I know that you'll also provide a way out for me so that I can endure it. If that's you, I hope you'll put a bow on that prayer between you and God. If you're in trouble, if sin is in your house, like it's there, you this weekend or this last week, it blew up. Can I pray for you? I want you to know that there's forgiveness. That you can thank Jesus that he loves you and he, he wants to forgive you. First John 1 John 1.9 says, if we'll confess our sins, he's faithful. He's just, he'll forgive us, he'll purify us. And Psalm 51.10 from what we read today, create in me a pure heart, God and renew a steadfast spirit within me. If that's your prayer today, would you just connect with Jesus, asking him to forgive you and to renew you? And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, maybe maybe you you need a relationship with with a savior, with with a God who who loves you so you can begin a new life in Psalm 51 David said, Oh God, you are God, my savior. His name is Jesus. Today, would you admit that you need him? Would you believe that he's invited you into a relationship that he, even though he knows all that you've done, he still wants to forgive you. He still wants to enter into a relationship with you today. If that's you, would you, would you open your heart to Jesus? Would you tell him you need him? And would you pray something like this? Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. Forgive my sin and my brokenness. Would you heal me? Would you make me brand new? I surrender my will to your spirit. Would you come into my heart? Would you come into my life? Would you lead me? I commit to follow you. I need you as my Savior. In Jesus' name.